turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy. And I am the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. Well, it is a good day. It is a good day. We've had had a lot of rain lately, haven't we? Have you seen all the caterpillars uh, running around and now they've they've crystallized and now they're moths and I guess some are butterflies? They're everywhere. It's pretty awesome and amazing to see. Of course, it's not awesome to the bushes that we have out front here. But it's pretty neat to see all this, and you know I've never witnessed anything like this since I've lived in the Phoenix area. That's, that's since 1994, and I've seen from other folks who've lived here longer, 50-some years, said they've never seen anything like this. And did you know, over the last 20-some days, or we had a 20-day period where we had more rain in that 20-day period since 19... Or not 19, 1896. 1896. This is the second wettest 20 days in the history since we've been keeping record in the Phoenix area. That's awesome. And we're, we're seeing a result of that being all these caterpillars and moths and butterflies. And wow, it is interesting. <laughs> it is interesting. Lots, a lot of things are going on, and, and things like that's. I, I think that's a good distraction for now from what's going on in the world. Not that we need to not be thinking on those things and, and praying for the the things happening, but man, when there's just so much heartache and so much pain and so much suffering, sometimes we need we need something to to, to put the mind at a little bit of rest to think on other things. And no, what no better thing than to think upon. God's creation, think upon God's word and his His good works. And of course, we'll be taking a look at that here in just a moment. We'll be looking about uh, how Jesus is Lord. But first, I want to let you know we have a, a thing going up at camp, the Copper Basin Bible Camp just outside of Prescott, Arizona, where we have the Ladies' Day Retreat. It starts this Friday and uh, and Saturday morning, and you can find out more about that by going to CopperBasinBibleCamp.org, and in there you'll you'll see a list of dates and events, and there will be a flyer there for for the Ladies' Day retreat. You can still register, sign up for that. Next week, not not this Friday Saturday, but next week's Friday Saturday, we have the men's retreat, and we're going to have speakers from uh, Lubbock, Texas, Trude Adair, and other speakers from around the valley talking about God's Word for Friday night, Saturday morning. And that's, that's good. You can sign up there, same place, copperbasinbiblecamp.org. 
And then, of course, every year, well, except for last year, we have the Tackling the Text Workshop, where we work through an entire book of the Bible. We give you the commentary on that from Brother Guy Orbison Jr., who will be presenting the lessons for us. And that is a Thursday night, all day Friday. And we, we depart either that night or that in the morning on Saturday if you want to stay the night. And that's in November, November 4th, 5th, and 6th. And it is fantastic. Boy, we feed you good, too. Real good food. I hope you'll take a look at that. Go to tacklingthetext.com and you can sign up online. It is wonderful. And what isn't this a good time to, to get away and think about God and putting putting Him first and focusing upon Him? Because we know who really is in control. We know who's really in charge, don't we? And so that's what I want to talk about this morning in our lesson. Jesus is Lord. Now, I took this from Guy Orbison Jr., his outline, and so do credit to him. But Jesus is Lord. He is Lord. And no greater truth can be uttered about him. The Bible proclaims it. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Peter says, Know for certain that God has made him, that's Jesus, both Lord and Christ. Those of us who've been baptized into Christ says in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. We sing about it. Jesus is Lord, my Redeemer. You are Lord of creation and Lord of my life, Lord of the land and the sea. Yet, I wonder if we truly understand the reality that Jesus is Lord. That term, Lord, is found all throughout the Bible with with different applications. And in our English versions, it's found over 600 times in the New Testament. Almost 6,000 times in the Old Testament. Sometimes it refers to a man who owns slaves, and sometimes it is used merely as an, uh, as an address of respect. It's almost like our English term, sir, you know, kind of like in 1 Peter 3, 6. But normally, in Scripture, the term Lord speaks of one who has power. One who has power. When we say Jesus is Lord, it it means that he has complete power and authority in our lives. But words are easy to pass through the lips. Do we really comprehend their meaning and practice them in our lives? Jesus as Lord means he has sovereign power. Jesus exhibited this power over all the elements of the universe during his earthly sojourn while he was here on the earth. And he exhibited power over the creation. Once he stilled a storm, remember that? In Mark chapter 4, verse 39, he stood up and uttered those words, Hush, be still. And the wind died down. Why? Because he is Lord of creation. He could curse a fig tree, and it would die. He could summon a fish to bring him a coin, and it would. 
He could command the sea to support his weight as he walked upon the surface of the deep. He could disappear from the clutches of his enemies and could walk through locked doors. That's because he is Lord of all things, and the inanimate world submits to his commands. He also exhibits power over the spirit world. Once he cast out some unclean spirits, Jesus spoke only a few words to them in Luke 4, 31-37, when he said, Be quiet and come out of him. And those spirits obeyed, didn't they? That's because Jesus is Lord of the spirit realm. The spirits are subject to his power and his authority. He could tell Satan, Be gone and the old devil would have to leave. He could call down a legion of angels, and they would come. Why? Because he is Lord. He also exhibits power in the realm of humans. Jesus could be approached by a blind man, and with a word, Jesus would give him sight. He helped the lame walk, and he helped the deaf to hear. No disease was too difficult for Jesus to heal, and no affliction could withstand his power. He could even speak just three words, Lazarus, come forth, and a dead man would walk alive out of the tomb. Paul explains this for us in Romans chapter 10, verses 7 through 9. He is the Lord of every human and everything that has to do with humans. Even if you or I die, we cannot escape the fact that he's Lord. Because Jesus can command that we would have to come back to earth if he so desires. He is even Lord of death and still Lord over those who have died. Amazing, isn't it? And a Lord does not need to ask permission to do what he does. He rules. He merely demands, doesn't he? When Jesus walked through the city of Jericho, you remember this, he passed by a tree and it had a funny little man sitting up in it. One of, the, one of the branches. Remember that, that story? And Jesus looked up at him and called him by name. He said, Zachariah, or Zacchaeus, sorry, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. He didn't ask permission. He didn't say, uh, Zacchaeus, do you suppose that we might all go to your house and talk a while? No. He is Lord, and he told Zacchaeus, what he was going to do. Lords don't ask permission. They don't need to. They are Lord. As Lord, Jesus told people, follow me. But some said, oh, permit me first to bury my father. But Jesus said, no, no, let the dead bury the dead. Another man said, okay, Lord, I'll follow as soon as I go home and say goodbye to the family. No, no, said Jesus. That's not what I told you to do. 
And there in Luke chapter 9, verses 59 to 62, that's when he said, No one is fit for the kingdom if he looks back after putting his hand to the plow. He makes those demands. He can't because he, Jesus, is Lord. No preacher would ever tell one of the rich folks in the congregation, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. What would the rich man say to the preacher that said that? Well, say what? I'm not not going to do that. But Jesus could make that demand of people and did so. Should a person be concerned about selling everything? Should he be fearful of what the next meal would come from if he sold it all? No, not if the Lord of heaven and earth commanded him to do so. The Lord can take care of all his needs without the rich man's money. Preachers preachers sometimes tell people who are dying that, that they are going to heaven. And many at the funeral of people who who hardly darkened the door of a church building have had preachers preach them into heaven. But preachers have no authority to do that, do they? They don't. None of them. None of us do. We don't. Yet Jesus, he told a thief, who was about to die for his crimes, that he had permission to enter into heaven. Jesus could do that because he is Lord. If any human is going to be saved, he will have to submit to the lordship of Jesus. Many people in the world do not see Jesus as Lord, do they? Yet whether we or they, or if we recognize Jesus as Lord or not, that that will have no bearing on the fact that he is Lord. Recognition of him as Lord has bearing only in regard to our own circumstance of salvation. We may rebel, but ultimately, he will prevail. Or we may submit, and ultimately, he will acquit. One day, when we all appear in judgment, every knee will bow to him. Angel and human alike will acknowledge his lordship. Whether they want to or not, they will bow. Why? Because he is Lord. It makes sense for us to submit to him now, while we have opportunity to receive the benefits of his lordship. It makes makes no sense to wait until the final hour when we will ultimately submit, but unwillingly. One day, the Lord of heaven and the Lord of earth will, will uh, the Lord of heaven and earth will give a command to those who refused to serve him in this realm, and they will submit. He will say to many 
depart from me. I don't acknowledge you. And they will be ushered out of his presence into an eternal punishment. They will go because he is Lord. Even among those who claim they acknowledge uh, him as, as Lord now have difficulty understanding what that means for their lives. Jesus once asked a question of some folks who claimed to be his disciples. There in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, when he said, And why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Jesus doesn't ask our permission to command us to do things. He merely tells us what he expects, and he expects us to submit. That's what a Lord is. In Luke chapter 17, verses 7 through 10, Jesus uses the illustration of slavery to help us see what it means to submit to his lordship. We don't have slaves today, but they did in his day. And the people knew what slavery was all about. So Jesus asks them, If you had a slave who plowed the field and tended the sheep all day, when he comes in from the field, do you say to him, Hey, sit down and take a load off. You look tired. Put your feet up. Let me take off your shoes. How about I fix you some dinner? The people would laugh at such a thing happening, wouldn't they? Slaves have no prestige with masters. Slaves are just property, and they exist to take care of their masters. Jesus said, no, that's not the way it works. Rather, you will say to the slave when he comes in from working the fields, prepare something for me to eat and take off those field clothes and dress yourself properly when you serve me. And after I've eaten all I want, then you can eat if there's something left over. Now, that's what submission is all about. And Jesus' point is found in verse 10. So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded you, say, we are unworthy slaves. We have done only what that which we ought to have done. How very true. And that is truth. Jesus is trying to get us to see that we are not the Lord of our lives. He is. He is giving us a perspective of who we are in relationship to him. And we may want to rebel against that. And now we may think that he will not rule my life. But one day, one day, everyone will submit to his lordship. And it is better if we do so now. There can be only one king who sits on the throne of your heart. If you have not exalted Christ as that king, 
then you have placed yourself on the throne and are still ruling your life. That means that if you don't want to go to church, well, well, you, you don't go. Why is that? Well, that's because you have not submitted to Jesus as Lord. You still see yourself as Lord in your life. Jesus doesn't come to us as Lord and say, Hey, uh, Chris, I, I'd like for you to, to come to church. If, if it's not too much trouble for you, you know, if nobody drops in to visit, if you're not too tired, or, or if you just don't feel like it, you know. No. No. He tells us through the Hebrew writer that we are not to forsake the assembly. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. What we do with what Jesus commands of us determines if he really is Lord in our life. It means that if you don't want to be baptized, you just don't submit to baptism. Why is that? It's because something other than Jesus rules in your life. It may be a denominational tradition or a parent that told you never to be baptized. But Jesus doesn't say, you know, baptism can be a problem and so it's optional. If you don't like getting wet or if you're raised in a home that that thinks it's just a church of Christ belief, or whatever reason, you don't have to be baptized. But the truth is, Jesus said through Peter in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized. And over in 1 Peter 3.21, Baptism does now also save us. And through another spokesman, he, he said, Arise and be baptized. And through another, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Jesus commands it, doesn't he? He can do that without asking the permission of anybody, any denomination, any preacher or anyone. Why? He, Jesus, is Lord. And he is Lord whether you and I acknowledge that now with our life or not. Our refusal to submit to his lordship does not alter the fact that he is Lord. Jesus requires, requires full ownership of you and me. If we wish to receive the benefits of being a part of his kingdom, if we submit to his rulership, he will provide many wonderful things for us. The government of a nation exists to help and benefit the people of that nation. If Jesus is king in our lives, he reigns for the purpose of benefiting 
us, doesn't he? But we must submit to his lordship. In any old army manual, soldiers were told that it took only one-sixth of a second for the brain to telegraph a message to the hands and the feet. And that's all the time the soldier had to obey an order. One-sixth of a second. Our own commander-in-chief has asked the sobering question in Luke 6.46, And why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Huh. Jesus is telling you this hour, right now, to come to him, to find salvation. You can refuse anything he says. Uh, yeah, you can. That's that's up to you. But there are serious consequences to our disobedience. I would think about that if I were you. Who is the Lord of your life? You or Jesus? That's an easy question to answer if you are willing to answer it. Something to think about. Well, I want to thank you all for sticking with me here this afternoon on redeeming the time. And boy, are, shouldn't we redeem it? Redeem the time. Make the most of the opportunities the Lord sets before us. Our Lord. He gives us so many opportunities to hear his word and obey. He doesn't have to do that, does he? He's Lord. He could take us any moment. He could end this world any second. He could bring it all to an end. Why? He is Lord. Take the opportunity. Don't let the things of this world distract you from the things that are more important. There are serious things going on in this world, but nothing is more serious than that relationship between you and God. The things of this world are temporary. The things between you and God are eternal. Not only do they affect you, but they can affect your family. You can be that light and salt to them that shines forth the truth and brings them into a relationship with the Father if you only submit to the Lord, the one true Lord in heaven. Think about that. Take an opportunity to to pray and, and read upon these things. Disconnect from the world and reconnect with God. I hope you make that decision. I hope you think and pray about that. I will be praying for you as well. Thank you, brothers and sisters. Thank you for all of you who are out there listening. And I hope we all draw closer to the Lord, especially at these dark times. Take care, and God bless. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ.